0: The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute.
1: Uh, last week we started discussing the concept of uh, disclosure of information to patients. How much uh, tr- is truth telling a good thing, is it a bad thing, is it obligatory, is it uh, obligatory not to tell the truth to your patients when they, uh, it's possible. Um, and the Talmud seems to imply that, that there are cases, and there have been studies done, um, uh, uh, both sides, but uh, as we'll discuss, that when you tell patients uh, the truth about a terminal illness, it could be detrimental to their emotional health, which could then have an effect on their physical health. Okay? I've seen that. Okay, so, so that's the question. So in those, again, in Western Law, we, we said there's no question autonomy overrides all. And therefore, um, there's almost no cases where, in today's world, that I'm aware of, but maybe you you guys could, that a a doctor will not, uh, will hold back the diagnosis from the patient. Um, Shelley and Ron seem to be saying there are some cases where doctors don't tell them everything. But, I don't know, I mean, again, I'm not in the medical field. Um, Like I said, as a rabbi, so even if it's not so relevant practically because of... uh, the current uh, society, which is very, you know, litigious, and in in the situation, you know, you're just you're scared. You have to you have to um, tell the patient everything. Um, but as a rabbi, it comes up often. This question and family members come: should we tell our father? Should we not tell our father? Should we tell our grandmother about uh, the diagnosis, that uh, a terminal diagnosis, whatever the disease is, um, where there's a good chance that it could affect um, affect them emotionally. That's where we, so we left off last week, we, we read a Gemara in Mohit Katan um, dealing with the laws of mourning. The Gemara says there very clearly, quotes a brighter, that says if, this is just one example of many that you find in uh, within traditional Jewish texts, that um, Gemara says that if a patient doesn't describe what level of illness the patient has, but it says if someone's sick, and uh, someone, an immediate family member dies, that they normally need to be informed of because they have to say Kaddish, etc., or whatever other laws of mourning apply, you <laughs> do not tell them in a situation where you do not tell them, that's halacha. So it's not, in you know, it's meaning the Jewish law, as we're going to see in a second, seems to be saying err on the side, the general rule is don't tell them. There might be exceptions where you should tell them. But the general rule is better not to tell a patient bad news because the assumption is it will affect them detrimentally. Um, and and uh, as we'll see, what that means, the language the Gemara used that we saw last week was which literally means uh, it could affect their mind. And tiruf means their mind will be uh, emotionally, uh, I don't know, torn asunder. I don't know exactly what the word, like from the word trefa, which means to be torn. So we don't want to, we don't want to affect them. Therefore says the Talmud, don't tell them this. So we're going to start from this, so just to continue on that same source. Um, here you have, uh, this on the front here, this is an English translation of the Shulchan Aruch, which is codifying that law, at least in the first paragraph. It's codifying that law that we, that we read last week. I just wanted to show you, it's not just a nice Gemara in the Talmud. It's actually codified in the Shulchan Aruch, and it says like this. This is uh, in uh, what's called a section of the code of Jewish law called Yirah and it says uh, the laws concerning a patient when someone in the family dies. So there is a few paragraphs. Uh, there's a right preceding this, which is the laws of Bikur Cholim, of visiting the sick, and we'll see that's relevant also. Um, and slowly the Shulchan transfers from the ill patient to the dying patient, to the dead patient. Um, okay, so, so in this transition here it says, what happens if the patient's ill and someone dies? So says the Shulchan um, the laws concerning a patient when someone in the family dies, we're on top of the page here, it <coughs> says, if a close family member of a patient dies, he is not informed of this, since it may cause him great agitation. Okay, so again, that's, the, that's how they're translating here, a uh, fadat. Which means, don't tell them. Um, so it goes on to say his garment is not torn for him. Um, that means normally there's a concept of kriya, which means you're supposed to tear your garment. And you hear the, the news of a, of the loss of a, five, one of five family members, I believe it is. So you're supposed to tear your garment. Um, and today, some people just put on a black pin. They don't want their, their very expensive garments. They don't want to harm them, which I don't think is halakhagli correct, but that's what some people do. Um, so you're supposed to rend your garment. There's a, there's a certain emotional uh, also I think, outlet in that um, of, of rending your garment. Um, th- so that's number one. It says you don't do that for a patient. If someone is ill, again, we haven't defined what level of illness. You don't do that for them. Do not rend their garment. Don't cry or eul- eulogize the deceased in his presence so as not to break his heart, and comforters are silenced. Okay, so let's so let's understand what that means. So this is a book called Nishman Abrahman, it's a written by a physician who, who basically took all the sections of the relevant to anything about uh, medical, many medical issues, and he brings all the different views on them. So, so he says here,
0: when is that?
1: this was written in around, the first printing was around 20 years ago, I'm guessing, actually, first impression, January 2003. Exactly, don't you? Well, the math is good. So um, it's been sub- subsequently reprinted. He's still alive, this fellow. Yeah. He's a rabbi and a physician, but he, as far as I know, he's not, he's not uh, he doesn't speak in public. He's probably in his 90s by now. But he's a, so he was a doctor. doesn't call himself a rabbi, calls himself a doctor. Abraham, Abraham is his name.
0: Yeah, it's two 17 years. His name is Abraham. Ab- his first
1: Ab- name is Abraham, his last name is Abraham. Sometimes parents do that to their children. Major, major. Okay, so um, so he says like this. Sorry, this is the wrong one. So he says, it was actually written in Hebrew. By the way. This is a translation. His original book was written in Hebrew. Um, so this is chapter 337. So he says like this. He brings in a few important notes here on the bottom. I could find it. put a card here. So he says like this number one <coughs> something else. So it actually I said five family members. Sorry, I stand corrected It's seven, the seven family members that you mourn for. Okay, which is a father, mother, Brother, sister, son, daughter, and spouse. Okay, those are the seven family members that one would sit Shiva for and say Kaddish for? You mourn for. What was the seventh
0: one? Spouse. Spouse, spouse.
1: spouse okay. okay. I didn't hear the word. So, uh, so those are seven people. In this case, we're saying, you do not, um, you don't, even though the person should be saying Kaddish, and it might not be anyone else to say Kaddish, the, this concept of being concerned of the welfare of the patient's emotional health Overrides all the laws of mourning, including saying kaddish, which obviously just again brings out this point of how concerned we are about the patient, about the emotional state of the patient. Um, so he goes on to say here. He quotes al gemara that we saw. So he and he says here. So what type of patients? He says he asked. Uh, he basically went around asking rabbis many of these questions. So he says Rev. Newirth, who was a uh, one of his rabbis, he would ask told me that the halacha refers to a seriously ill patient and not necessarily one that is dying. Okay, so meaning it doesn't have to be uh, terminal, only a patient that's terminal, because the, in the Gemara it would seem like it could hasten his death, that's the concern. So he says, the ra- the rabbi explained to him that it's not only referring this halacha here, it's not only referring to a terminal patient, even if someone is seriously ill um, it doesn't have to be that the person is dying per se, this would apply and you don't notify them. By the way, this is even to older people, even if they're not ill per se. But someone in their 90s, um, I've had cases where I was told, "Don't tell them." I, the family came to me, and I asked the question. I posed the question. You don't tell an elderly someone's in a nursing home, or um, they're not necessarily ill, but they're, uh, you know, 98, and it could have a. a they can get depressed from it, hearing news that their child died at an older Boy. parent. Right, so you did better not to tell them in those cases. And there came many cases um, where the person didn't know, um, never was never told that their that their child died, which is fine in the context. Again, you have to ascertain. I think every case needs to be looked at individually, and that we'll talk about that. But he's saying it's not necessarily limited to a dying patient. Even for a ill patient, and I'm saying I'm broadening it even more, which I've had cases. Even if you have an elderly person who could, um, their emotional health could be detrimentally affected by it, then you shouldn't inform them. Okay? Um, now he says even more than that, So he brings here from uh, Shlomo Zaman Orbach, who is also his rabbi, he says that, let's say, um, the patient, let's say, what we're saying, is in a nursing home, where they're at home, that's, sorry, an elderly parent, or a, a, a ill patient, a father or mother is ill, and the child would come every week to make them supper, or to visit them, let's say weekly. Or so now, if the child now the child, so let's say a sibling died, so it's the son, so they both have to mourn. The sibling has to mourn and the parent. So now, if the sibling stops mm-hmm. visiting that parent that week, they're going to realize something's up. So he says, even that you should do. I mean, even during shiva, you're going to say shiva. The sibling is, is not ill. They have to say shiva, right? It's only we're talking about who's exempt and who should you not tell is the an <coughs> ill patient. But well, let's say another relative who's not ill is going to sit shiva. But if they sit shiva, that means they don't leave their home. They don't go. They're not going to visit their dad in the nursing home that week. So he might realize something's up by the fact that his son is not coming to her daughter, is not coming to visit him. So he says he should go visit him even during shiva, which is something that we usually don't allow someone to do, leave their home during shiva. He says uh, it's 100% permitted to make sure that the patient doesn't even know that something's up. And that's how far the concern goes. And there's a response from that I read, uh, from the Yaakov, written around, I don't know, I'm guessing 100 years ago or so, not sure exactly what it was written, which he says the same thing, he was asked, this person asked, can I go visit my father, and he says more than that, he says even they have to put on shoes, they have to change their clothes and not wear their ripped garment, because obviously then... In that case, <coughs> no point. They visit them and they're wearing a, rend- a rended garment, so the person the person is going to realize. So he says they should wear regular shoes, which you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to wear leather shoes when you're during Shiva. All that stuff that's normally done during Shiva, they could do that in their home. But when they go to visit their parent, um, they need to change their clothing, etc. We discuss. Of course, you don't have to rend your garment every time anew. Now, when you get home, you could put back on the old one. Don't, uh, you don't have to keep on tearing your your garments, okay? So he says he should dress normally, put on leather shoes. That's Rabbi Orbach told him. Um, <coughs> however, interesting, he said, he told me, this is Rabbi Orbach, he's quoting, Shlomo Zaman Orbach was one of the biggest uh, halachic decisors at the time, around uh, 30 years ago, he died. He says, he told me he would be proper for the morning to put a little earth inside his shoes if they are made of leather, as mentioned by the Mishnaburah. So in other words, meaning sometimes, because again, like let's say on your Kippur, we also have a custom, we don't wear leather shoes. But if you walk in the street, you're allowed to wear leather. That's the halach. No, meaning if you need them. You know, in those days, they didn't have sneakers like today.
0: You but can wear leather shoes in the street you, on Yom Kippur.
1: If you need to, yes. Need. Meaning, if you if you have no other shoes. Meaning, in those days, they would take off the shoes. They wear their socks. Obviously, you're going to walk home. Mm. You didn't have you know paved roads. So 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 meaning you're not allowed to wear. The point is pleasure. On Yom Kippur, we don't do things that are. Uh, I don't know if the word is pleasure enjoy. Uh, I don't know what the word the correct word would be. Um you are you're, you're not supposed to indulge, indulge yourself on in your kipper. If you're wearing them because, because of uh you know, you need to you get, you get rocks, you're gonna get blisters on your feet, so of course you'll have to wear them. So when you're going home, if you don't have other shoes, if you have, you know, uh, sneakers or canvas shoes, of course you can wear them. You can wear those. But i if you don't saying, so you're just going to walk in your socks, you're so he says here, so to Mr. Bruce, so here he's saying when it comes to mourning, if you're going to wear your leather shoes, so your father and sh- your father and mother shouldn't realize you're in mourning, put uh, some sand in the shoes, just to make it, uh, to remind yourself, it's still in mourning, so to speak. Yeah.
0: The, the question underneath all of this is, isn't it better to tell the sick person as a family member, rather than have some stupid stranger come up and... So again,
1: obviously, uh, there's no question. It's even looking, worse yes. the worst than a stranger telling oh, you, you who didn't, the family. It so to, has to be done with well, say, whole, like oh, everything. Um, you need that. That's what I was saying before. Every case really needs to be looked up individually. Because I, I, I did a little research, and, and I have this book. He, he discusses this extensively. Blythe has a book here called Bio- Bioethical Dilemmas. He discusses disclosure to patients, and he uh, quotes extensively. He's a, he has an extreme view you never tell a patient any bad news you know, about terminal illness, which is extreme, not everyone agrees with him, but but he brings studies showing both sides, meaning sometimes some psychologists today will say the better, patients should know about their terminal illness, right, um, it helps them emotionally get through it, than they're not knowing, okay, so he brings he brings studies on both sides, the point, at the end of the day, and this is all, I think, as we discussed many times in the past, one of the major contrasts between halacha and Western medical ethics is halacha is always on a cause case by case basis. Now there's no general there's general principles, yes, but almost every general principle has exceptions. As opposed to in, in like we're saying in Western medical ethics, once we decide on time to leave the rules, that's it. We don't care if it's gonna kill the patient, we don't start saying, Well, this patient's gonna be detrimental. It's irrelevant. <coughs> Listen, there are doctors who do have seichel but most are even the ones that have seichel, are scared of uh, of the, li- of the litigation and, and their, you know, malpractice insurance. So, so I'm saying is one second. So, so you're right. Of course, you need to know if this guy <laughs> is being visited by every guy in the <laughs> world and comes to visit him. And someone's, gonna, you know, someone he's going to end up hearing or it's going to be in the papers because then he reads. He goes on the internet every day. So, then of course you, you need to tell. Him. But I'm saying we're talking about any case. You're right. In today's day and age, with uh, social media and the, you know, so it really depends. Uh, so it's almost impossible to hide things. Um, but you need to know how tech savvy that uh, that person is. My mother, she doesn't know how to use a computer, so it's fine. This is, she's not gonna she's not gonna get see it on social media, so you don't have to worry about it. You need to know each person. She doesn't know if she tried having a smartphone, she threw it out, she couldn't deal with it. So he's saying you need to know yeah, you're, you're right.
0: Mrs. Ginsburg's on Facebook all the time. Right,
1: exactly. Well no, I thought mean, so you meant uh, what's her name? The Supreme Court Justice. Ruth had uh, they had Mrs. Ginsburg. Yeah. Thanks no, right. to, the to the people, neighbor. you know, you need to know mouth. Yes. Oh, okay. So you're right. So you need to know, and maybe there should be a sign outside her door, and you need to tell the nurses if it's a nurse. I, I agree. Today, it's not easy, that's for sure.
0: The the, the the other side, or there's another side of this, is when the person does mm-hmm. eventually find out, that person may be become so resentful that it puts a you know, You're right. Wedge so that's what I'm saying.
1: So You family. need to know. You need to ascertain as a case where the the they, you know the assumption is, let's say they're. Have Parkinson's. The person died overseas. You have to look at each case individually. That's, my, that's exactly my point. Hundred percent. There are times. There's no question. It's better to tell the patient. We're not saying a, you know, a general rule. Obviously, if if in that particular case the children, the family think and with together in consultation with the doctor and the psychologist think that it's better to tell the patient. Of course, you should tell the patient. That's what I'm saying. Halacha doesn't. We have a principle here. The assumption is it will be detrimental to their health. But if you can ascertain that it'll be worse if you don't tell them and they'll be at a later point so then of course yeah, you should tell
0: them the focus is on the individual
1: yes exactly yeah, completely exactly and that is the general pr- I mean, again there's <coughs> principles halacha <coughs> has principles too as we're saying yeah. the general rule but if the, we, we care about the individual and we need to ascertain what's best for this individual as opposed to just showing them into a okay so so that's what he says here and he goes on to say um, it's a very interesting thing um, so first of all someone asked Liz
0: Mishpacha is going to have more say than halacha. Mm-hmm. That's
1: always. That's uh, okay
0: too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that's you, okay. You, you give your advice, and they say no.
1: No, I'm saying, but the mishpacha is the one that knows. The rabbi doesn't know the Correct. the yeah. interactions and how this person so I'm saying it. it needs to be consultation with the mishpacha. Not so Sometimes, many <laughs> times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so someone asked last week. I think it was. I think it was you, about what happens afterwards at a later point, let's say they get better, so let's say they're told at that point, so do they have to sit shiva or not? So I think you asked that question, no? That wasn't your question? Somebody asked that question last week. So he discusses that extensively, of course, there's different opinions. Most opinions say if they, if it's, uh, once the shiva is over and they had permission not to mourn, because so then it's like Yantav and Shabbos, meaning it's they did, or if they did any type of uh, mourning, lower level, or whatever it is, so then they don't have to man, then we sit shiva. There are others who disagree and say that as long as during the shloshim, still sit shiva. So, so there's different opinions. Um, but what
0: you would have, have to do is if they were, whatever reason, didn't tell them when it happened, yeah. rather it was three days later, or a month, or a year later, and they recover, and they find that information out, you have to deal with, why didn't anybody
1: ever tell me? That's, that's what he was saying, the resentment. You so.
0: know, but at that point, they're better, and they there is going to be all blank Yes. Come me, I understand. but going to be anger the point is
1: once once they're healthy all sorts of stuff. so we're not worried about family feuds. That's not the issue here. The issue here is Well, but it let, will me, let me explain. The let, the me, will let, let, me, let me explain. That woman that. Woman yes, so was, let me explain. Or man. Yes, let me explain. What we're saying is when someone is very seriously ill or deathly ill, at that point we're only you no, know, listen, death is a traumatic experience for anyone. Even when someone's very healthy, it's a traumatic experience. So obviously we don't say don't put someone through a traumatic zone. Don't tell them to die. Maybe a healthy person what shouldn't. T- wait, 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 let me finish one thing. Don't exactly tell. Let me, let me finish what I'm saying. Let me finish. So what I'm saying is, it's death t- notifying someone of a loved one's death is always a traumatic experience, even if they're very healthy. They're totally the clean bill of health. They're emotionally healthy. It's Still traumatic. We don't say don't tell them because it will affect their emotional health. No, that's normal. Normal people get affected when they hear family members die. That's if they don't, then there's then there's something wrong. Right, so wait, are so so not letting me finish. Lash. Let me finish my point. So now what happens is we have a patient here who's, who's very ill. What we're saying is only in that case that Allah is saying we're concerned, we're not concerned about the traumatic experience. Traumatic. It's always a traumatic experience. We're concerned that the traumatic experience could be detrimental to their physical health. That's the concern. So therefore when they're ill, don't tell them now what's gonna happen later when they let's say they get healthy and now they're out of the hospital and everything's good so now you're back to square one yes will there be a bigger traumatic experience because you didn't tell them before will they be upset at you for three weeks because you didn't tell them they're not gonna invite you to their Thanksgiving dinner maybe yes but that's not our concern the concern is only we don't care about your your family issues that's not uh, what the Allah is concerned about here we're concerned about one thing is the traumatic experience gonna affect their physical health to the point that it might hasten their death that's the concern so that's only when they're ill now what are the ramifications of that? You're right. Could it cause family fights and your, n- your sister-in-law is never going to talk to you again? Maybe. We don't care about that. Not, not, not to put that down, I'm not, inv- I'm not saying it's totally, not totally invalid, but that's not what the halach is addressing. Halach is addressing one issue which is the detrimental physical health of the patient. Traumatic experience is always, you're always going to have it. Yes, you understand what I'm saying, Natalie? You don't have to right. agree, but as long as you understand there what I'm
0: saying. Are other, there are other consequences. Yes, there are, that 100%. That
1: are. 100%. That and that's the. that's Yes. Dangerous. So, yes, but we have to weigh the, Not the risk versus benefit.
0: you're going to say to the doctor, I'm never going to believe anything you tell me ever again. Okay,
1: so good. That's also important. Yes.
0: So. Yes, that too. Judging by the way, this is written, this only applies to the people for whom one would say Kaddish, for the, the seven. Because, other than that, you wouldn't be torn tearing the garment.
1: Yeah, but we're saying even that person, listen, should you tell the great aunt Molly in the nursing home? For sure not, There's no, but it's not even relevant to well, her.
0: the grandparent? Right, right. so no, we're so saying
1: know. even the people who have to a say <laughs> cottage, don't tell them, That's, it's an even. So, but Surely, but, aunt Molly, the great aunt, has nothing to do with it, like, so why tell her? Why bother her and, and give her the trauma? You understand what I'm saying? It meaning, it, it's saying but, uh, even these people, your closest seven relatives, who normally there's no one else to say kaddish. You take, of course, they have to say kaddish. Someone got to say kaddish. So we say even them don't. It, but don't
0: so, gosh. but this right. says only for the
1: the yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's,
0: it's so even. we extend it to.
1: I think uh, yeah. No, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Yes, for sure, stranger. Um, I saw that somewhere actually. Someone addresses that. It says, for sure, if it's if you know. But listen, like I said, my my mother. Uh, Claims she had an emotional breakdown when Trump was elected. So we should, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying, uh, you know, she's in assisted living. So you need to know, like, you know, there's nothing to do, uh, meaning, I'll the Aruch HaShulchan says this thing. shouldn't in, have in. told her that Trump was elected? She <laughs> <laughs> watches CNN. It's a problem. If she would not watch Fox News, it wouldn't have been so late. First of all. I'm saying that she, you, you know, has to get her, uh, get rid of her cable uh, Cable news now. Um, so he says, by the way, the Aruch HaShulchan says such a thing. He says... Um, I think he's addressing, I mean, not exactly what he's saying, but he, he addresses this point. He says, after he brings the halacha, Aruch is a, is a, not so recent, but he died, he was, this was the halachic, sort of an abridged version of the Shulchan written prior to the war, prior to World War II, which was the accepted, uh, you know, right. version at the time. His name was Zechiel Michel Epstein, Epstein, he died in the 1920s, I believe. Anyway, so he writes when he quote, quote, when he brings this law, he says like this. Um, so he says first of all, he says it straight out. He says the cause. He says why shouldn't you tell them? Cause a it will cause them pain. Even if the patient's father died or mother, you don't tell him. Don't worry about the kaddish. Forget about it. Don't worry about that. So he explains why, first of all. he says because life overrides everything. So if there's, any, there's a 1% chance that this uh, traumatic news will affect the health of the patient, that overrides all these laws. Um, and then he goes on to say, and this is where we're addressing your point, he says, from here we learn, it's very nice, here we're discussing ill patients and, and Kaddish, he says, here we learn any ill person, you you cannot cause them any undue pain. It is, if, if they're going to have a traumatic experience because they hear Trump was, uh, was elected, don't tell them. Keep it away from them. Keep any bad news away from no person. He's saying, from here we see, you're right. We're only addressing this law of mourning. But he's saying, we learn from here, the principle okay. is, do not allow, do not cause or hear, allow a patient to hear any bad news. And again, whatever if some the fact that uh, someone else was elected would be bad news. Whatever the case is, don't, you know, they have burnt burn down. Don't tell them traumatic news. Um, he right. says, He right. says, He says, He says, we have to make sure to gladden their hearts of a, Ill, of a patient. Whatever we properly can do, we never possibly can do. He says, another thing he adds on here is, if someone dies in the house, so normally the law is, Today it's different because we have funeral piles. But in those days, the the body was kept in the home until burial. They didn't have a funeral home, so so and there's a lech, you're not supposed to move the body around. Today, you know, it's you can't do that for health, uh, whatever it is. The the coroner will take them. They need to autopsy. We have whole rules. But in those days, you kept the body and then till the funeral, then they took the body to the burial. So he says, he says, he says, um. If there's an ill patient in the house, he says, of course you should remove the body. He says, Remove it somewhere else, because that itself is traumatic. You can have this person who's ill, and he sees this guy uh, dead in the bed next to him. It's, it's not exactly, not the best scenario for, for a patient. So he says, You're obligated to remove the body. Even though we don't normally view it as an honor for the dead to move them around and you know, move them somewhere else again, all these laws are overridden by the concept of, we're most concerned about life, we don't care about the dead, we don't care just like any law in the Torah, so we don't care about Kaddish we don't care, so he's, but he's applying it just to address your question, he, he derives from this, from this law to all holy. says they ideas when you visit the sick person, which is brought ideas, make some jokes, You humor them make them happy you know, the idea is to make them happy. Where the assumption is, again, today we know that from psychological studies, but in those days they understood it, even without the studies, without the medical journals, that giving a, making a patient uh, emotionally happy will affect, will better their health, which is a fascinating concept, which is really what you see, that's what it's about. No, the the idea is, whatever, either, either as a physician, as a rabbi, as a friend, as a family member, make them happy. Okay, make patients happy, don't make them sad. So that's a, that's interesting. So
0: what happened mm. to the guy that used to be in the bed next to him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> then you know the, the
0: room, room will be quiet. Yes, it's, okay. it's,
1: it's interesting, because in uh-huh. I had this question, because <coughs> some of the, the, in
0: the... bed next to you is not one of the, s- the family
1: members. No, no, right. but he's saying, but... Uh, meaning it's still... No, it's nothing to do with family members, that's what I'm saying. No, that's what Nate is pointing out, that yeah. he's saying just... Any traumatic news, because there's a hospital in Israel one of uh, one of these religious hospitals, so they have a light in every room um, for cohen meaning because if a prey, someone dies in the hospital uh, the cohen has to know to leave. So a red light goes on. To take the so out. I'm saying that's it's a good point. Meaning it can it's a little, little depressing for the patients every you know another one bites the dust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the light starts blinking. So Can you uh, take
0: the patient the, the the corpse out? Or do you have to take the cone out? Or
1: you the, said you when take the, the light cohen out. Yes. The light goes on, the cohen has to leave. The why,
0: why not they the, the move the cord? Uh, See, uh, you the have the to
1: give a chance to... It uh, the can, body where it is, yeah. it looks fair. No, no. 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 Well, they, they think it, I'm think i saying they move it, but the point is he has to get out immediately. They're not going to move the patient right away. They have to take out all the tubes. They have to take out, you know, it's a well, process. Cohen could the just walk out. He doesn't stick around for the resuscitation. No. <laughs>
0: That's the orange light. Yeah, but otherwise, okay. <laughs> the orange light My gets point the is so, It's so not that the room is contaminated afterwards. For
1: no, time. yeah. once, okay. but I'm saying you have a good point. I, I, I thought about this, it's, I'm not sure it's a good idea <laughs> in the hospital to have a system. does
0: have to learn CPR. I don't know. Should I call it, can the coin? Got got yeah, it. of course. Yeah, good, a coin is a
1: lot of dangerous life. But yeah, it's a they dead body. He he's he resuscitating it. it. He no, I'm saying if there's a chance he could resuscitate it. It's not dead. It's dead and no, it's bringing No, it's not. Like we don't view it. <laughs> yes. That's what's alive. Second of all, it's not the point. Even if it, you know, a Kohen is allowed to violate, just like we're saying, for pekochnafe, no you could violate any law. As a matter of fact, not only that, there's a law, there's something that we learn from the Torah called me Smith. That means even if dead person, if there's no one else to bury that person, the Cohen's allowed to take part and dig a grave and really? do whatever needs to be done.
0: Like if the Cohen discovers a dead there's body no on the road. There's no family.
1: Right, exactly. Yes, yes. Right. John Doe or whatever the case, right. <coughs> He's a lot of bad. Okay, so, so that's, uh, that's number one. Um...
0: number one. <laughs> okay.
1: So first of all, I'd say he... Whoops, just lost my place. There's another interesting point here. He he puts in just on this topic, he says on the bottom, he says, both caregivers and vid- visitors should therefore be extremely, um extremely careful not to say anything in the presence of an unconscious patient that would not ha- that he would not have said in his presence were he conscious. Mm. <laughs> so doctors need to know this. Perhaps he is not comatose that he will not hear.
0: More in hey. the operating room. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and hearing what is being said about him may bring him to despair. So meaning if you're talking about, oh, you know, this, the chance of the surgery uh, being successful is, you know, is 10%. And the guy, you think he's already under anesthesia. <laughs> he's not. Actually,
0: finally enough. Subliminally, they remember very well. Not really, they remember it. That, uh, right.
1: Things like that the doctor said. I
0: remember. I do my best thinking at night that, when I'm off asleep. <laughs> that, yeah, because I had to be banged when they put the pacemaker in. The first thing I told my daughter when I woke up is, why did they give me a particular medicine that probably would kill me? And now, Probably would. Well, because uh, I'm very Could. allergic to him. Mm. So why, the only thing I can think of is the I no. did know that I was banked, even though I hadn't been told that. I had gone, what have so I was obviously unconscious at the time, but so if there was no other reason why that would have been the Did first ha-
1: word that came out of my mouth. Yes, yeah, so, so that's Probably another thing, he says. you have to be careful what you, you say in front of the patients. patient. So that's so anything. By the way, yeah. I think it's the same hear. with with TV shows. You know, we, we allow our, especially the internet, you give pa- them access, so you give a patient and he starts researching his illness and gets all the numbers. It's a scary thing for patients. You have to be careful. I think this is a general issue in how sensitive we have to be around patients. So we say, oh, you know, let him go on the internet, he watches, uh... You know, whatever movie he wants. It's not, again, even today, as I are saying, the news could be depressing. <laughs> um, so you need to be very careful what we allow patients as family members and as caregivers, what we allow them to do, what we don't. Um, uh, like I was saying, my mother gets depressed from the news, so you have to be careful. Well, so
0: people that are
1: unconscious, that's a, that's word a different move. Yeah. And have been for, you know, in a. Um, so, uh, so, it continues. Um, so, now the, the next. So, interestingly enough, there's another dichotomy here. Because Allah also recognizes that there is an importance for the patient to know that he's going to die. As we discussed uh, a few months ago, when it came to Jacob, Jacob asked for illness before death. Why? Because he wanted the, the 10 second warning bell. No, you have to get your life in order. You want to meet your kids. You yes. want to uh, apologize to your spouse for your, all your fights you had. You want to, There's a lot of things at the end of your life that, that you need to take care of. So there is an importance um, for a patient to know what the diagnosis is in that sense. Besides, I'm not talking about, um, obviously, if, if they need to have a relationship like with the doctor, like you said, if they need to know the treatment. When I, no, it's obviously, again, cases where it's important for them to know, we need to do that. And if it's ascertained, it's better for them to know
0: the diagnosis before the baptism In the Torah, the Jacob asked for uh, illness before he died, in the Torah. Not in the
1: Torah. Uh, in the Talmud. Oh, thank
0: you. Thank okay.
1: um, so, uh, you. So, so, so again, so this next chapter immediately afterwards addresses this to a certain sense because there is a concept in Halacha, it's brought that one of the main things a per- person is supposed to do on the deathbed is to confess their sins. Confession, vidui, same thing we do on Yom Kippur, because you, you want to come up there with a clean slate. You want to come up there, uh, with, you know, it's, as we know, tshuva, that's what tshuva does when you confess your sin in Yom Kippur, so after Yom Kippur you have a clean slate. That's why it says, the way, the czar says, if someone dies in Yom Kippur, it's a good sign. Because that's a merit, it means that means that God wants them to come up there with a totally clean slate. If you die an hour after Yom Kippur, you know, you already uh, you messed it up already. But it says someone who dies out of Yom Kippur, it's not a good sign because that means that uh, God took away with the mo- most accumulative things <laughs> of all years. So, <laughs> Danyan in Kippur, not suggesting this, but Danyan in Kippur says, actually, is meritorious, shows... Before the vidway or after the it's always so many videos You already start the vidway in Mencha, you know.
0: Yeah, okay, so but the point... <laughs> so the point being... 24 hours.
1: <laughs> so the point is, so th- so there's a concept that Gamara uh, talks about extensively, confessing on your deathbed, that you're supposed to c- say vidoy with the patient. Now, obviously, this, this is a dichotomy because we're, we're telling you, don't tell a guy, don't tell a patient they're dying because it might affect their health detrimentally. So you're going to come in, the is going to come in with his laminated vidui card and say, okay, let's go. Right, you see in all the movies, the priest, you know, so, that, so that's not, that's going to affect the patient. And you obviously realize, okay, time's up. So when, what should you do? So how do we work that out? You understand the question? What you're saying, you tell him say the, the vidui. Yes. So let's see what the says, so the Shulchan Aruch says like this, it says a patient should confess his sins, this is the title and in the next chapter immediately after this one, and how should he be told to do so. A dying patient should be told to confess his sins. He's told many have confessed and then not died, so now, so because the Talmud understood that there's an, a problem here, Therefore it says, make sure when you come in with your laminated card of the vidui that tell the patient, you know, listen, we're not saying, God forbid, we're not saying you're dying, we do this to everyone. Um, we're going next door, also. We're just going down the road. <laughs> okay? So it says, uh, "Many have confessed confessing that, and you will live because, because you confess, and he who confesses will have a portion of the world to come." Okay? So, so, th- so it's interesting. That in Is that
0: true? Do you really offer it to everyone that you ah? So it?
1: it's interesting. So that's a smart thing. So the, the I read, yeah, I, I read, could go read. Check with the guy next door and see if he really did. <laughs> so I read a uh, <coughs> thing in Berlin in the 1800s. So, um, it was, they had a brigade, it was the Heber Kedisha, it was also the Biker Brigade, it was one, you know, brigade. <laughs> okay, it was one. It uh.
0: came with the casket, right. just in case, so not everybody <laughs> needs it, so people do. The w- they,
1: they instituted a rule in Berlin, this, this, uh, Biker Cholm slash Kedisha, that, after someone doesn't come to shul for three days, they, they didn't have a hospital, it wasn't, this is in the 1700s, 1800s, I don't know exactly when. So they would actually, um, the assumption is the guy didn't show up in show th- for three days. it must be that he's sick, he's definitely ill, saw he's <laughs> not so, uh, missing show for three days. So they would go to his house, and immediately they would bring their the the, sh- the vidui card. So then they would tell him. So meaning it was it was a known thing. This was done to every patient. Three days you're out. We we say vidui. We start saying vidui with you. So therefore, there's no. Uh, you know, so uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but there's no, stigma. Right, there's no stigma attached to it because this was, they knew it, this was the rule. So it's interesting, that was done specifically because of this issue. We understood the sensitivity, obviously you come and show up with the patient, okay, that's it, I got my <laughs> here for my video. By the way, interesting enough, recently I've, I've been to many shows where I've told people about, people don't know about this halacha that say the video and people in hospice and, and families have thank me that they, they said their mother, it was like amazing when they said the video it was like she was ready to go. I mean, Again, I've, I've somewhat experienced myself visiting people, but people say it really has a therapeutic effect to a certain extent, when they, when they know they're going to die. Again, obviously, if the patient doesn't know they're going to die, and you show up, so that could be pretty traumatic. So, again, you need to know um, when and how to say it properly. Yeah. So he says, uh, he continues, um...
0: Would, would one say it before one went into surgery? Is that it would be...
1: Again, if there's a good chance, the what the surgery? Is. Yeah, how, how <laughs> Depending long? who the surgeon is. <laughs> but, uh, it, it,
0: he's a nice Jewish girl. Yeah. A She's a nice yeah. Jewish girl. Right. So I'm saying,
1: depend. I again, so if there's not, it doesn't hurt to say it. So there people say it every night before they go to sleep. You know.
0: As long so. as it's not the surgeon giving you the Vidui card. Yeah. It's all
1: right. So uh, okay. So just to so it again. How long is the Vidui good for? You the <laughs> until you do the next thing. But
0: you don't die. I mean, yeah, say it's,
1: it's all you do. Let's say like kippur. You have Listen, to do it again
0: if you get sick. You know,
1: they, I once said a great line you know, in Shiva. yeshiva. They the uh, uh, you know we always just complain. You know, the, the air conditioner, you know, you always people in shul always complain like every shul. So uh, you know, uh, uh, complain, the rabbi did this, the you know the gabbai did this, and you know whatever. So on yom kippur, it's usually more tame. You know, people realize it's today's day of judgment, so they they don't complain as much. So I remember being in Shiva like uh, it was like. Terrible! The air conditioner wasn't on high enough, and everyone was complaining. No one's complaining. The second um, after Avit, everyone's like, "Oh man!" You know, once Simkiper is over. So I said, "That's you know." The question is, they ask someone asked this question. I saw a commentary. It says after Avit on Matzah Yom we say we Arvit starts the same. Who God who forgives sin. What sin? We don't have any sins. Oh, so the word, I answer. That was my answer. So the second emperor's over. <laughs> <laughs> you got one. Is he ready? Yeah, really, you got to sit. "Don't worry, that. It. So it, it it doesn't last that long. Okay. The clean slate doesn't last so long. Um, so listen, it, obviously doesn't mean that you know you, 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 everything has to be done with sechul. You don't want person to get anxious, you know, every time you come visit them and, and say, uh, So it needs to be done with with chachma, with, with like everything else. So he says. um, Number two, he says, the confession of a dying person, let me just see if there's anything here. One second. And so that's what he says here also. He says the Shaikh, who's one of the commentaries on the Shaikh says like this. He says, the Shaikh writes that only a dying patient should be told to confess. For any other patient will think that he's seriously ill, you're coming in, the guy has the flu, and you bring him the laminated card, he's going to think he's seriously ill, and it will break his heart. Another reason why we do not say this to a patient who is not dying is that there is still time for him to confess. But if he's dying, he should be told lest he die suddenly without having confessed. Um, okay, so now you have this—it's a challenge to figure out exactly how to do it <laughs> It's not easy. And then he says, uh, "Lest he confess, uh, lest they cry." What What is going on? Let's see. Um, so he said again, um, "None of this is said in the presence of an unlearned person." So at the end of this halacha, we didn't say, we didn't finish, but he says an important thing. Shacharach says, "None of this is said," meaning you shouldn't have come with someone who is unlearned. Again, and sex is here, women or children, lest they cry, breaking the patient's heart. Meaning someone's going to get all emotional and they're going to start crying. Meaning if there's a woman in the room. Uh, again, not to pick on women, whoever it is, if there's someone in the room who's going to start wailing because they're bringing in the, the uh, laminated cards, so then that's stupid. Don't do it. That's what he saying. Okay, of course, someone's somewhat is picking on women, but the assumption is they're more emotional. So you can going to have someone in the room wailing, that's not a good thing. Okay. That's what the Shachanach says. He says here, the um, passing one should not reveal to a relative who is soft-hearted the true state of the patient by his behavior when in the presence of the patient he might bring him to despair. So again, if there's a relative, it's not only about, the, it, meaning if there's a relative in the room who's going to start sobbing when he hears the bad news about the patient, so also don't, because that's going to affect the patient. If the relative starts sobbing, you're going to realize something's obviously terrible happened.
0: Basically.
1: You could do it in a different room, but not in front of the patient. Basically, if a person
0: was dying,
1: Wait, so he, by the way, he, uh, he addresses this here, this. he addresses <laughs> this here, he says, this was again written 20 years ago, he, he understood. He says, to, um, today, however, it has become exceedingly difficult to conceal from a patient that he has cancer, particularly since most of, if not all, will receive some form of therapy, he had surgery, this is 20 years ago already, chemotherapy, radi- radiotherapy, or a combination of these. These treatments cannot be given without the patient realizing that he's being treated for cancer. Obviously, you're going to have to tell them they have cancer. Besides, medicine at present has much more to offer these patients, as we said last week and a decade ago, not only in prolonging life, but even in complete, in complete cure. The patient is not told the truth or at least part of it he may not only fear that he is cancer but he will also believe the worst bringing him to unnecessary and unjustified despair on the other hand He's told about his diagnosis. Report can be established, as you were saying, Manny, between him and his training doctor, allowing him to speak his mind and voice his fears freely. doctor can then encourage him and give him the necessary psychologi- uh, physiological and psychological support so necessary for his treatment and his ability to withstand the side effects. So he's basically saying, you need, again, as we're saying, each case needs to be looked at. Of course, it's, it's better for the patient to know, it. there's no question you need to tell them. What we're saying is, in those cases where the patient, where we feel again, in consultation with the family and maybe psychologist and social worker, whoever it is, and, and the doctor, feel that it's better that the patient should not know, that's what we're saying. Um, uh, wait,
0: wait, 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 you previously you said it was halachic that it's better the patient doesn't know.
1: The general principle would be, but here where we need the patient to be involved in the treatment, and he has to have that, so that's what we're saying, if there's, if there's treatment. I know it's a case where there's, you, there's, there's nothing we can do so maybe that's the case where it might be better. That's where you'd have a question. Okay, now, um, I just want to point out here, um, one other, I want to end up with one other thing, emotional financing, just to show you again how concerned we are um, with, and that was on the back of the sheet, which we're not going to get to, but there's, there's two responses here the back of the sheet from Moshe Feinstein talking about end-of-life patients. If you look at the second column, he's talking about a fascinating case of triage, which we've mentioned here in, in other classes in the past. But I think it's very relevant to this issue. He talks about a case here where two patients present themselves to the hospital at the same time, to the ER or to the ICU. Two patients are coming in. Listen to this case, Alan. Two patients are coming into, and they, there's only one bed in the ICU, socialized medicine. Okay, so there's only one bed in the ICU. One is a is terminal patient, and one is a patient who doesn't have a terminal diagnosis. We only have one bed in the ICU. Who should we give the bed to?
0: The first Sorry? one.
1: Which is the first one?
0: The first patient. one, whoever is first.
1: Oh, so he says, so you okay, so good point. So he says, if they both present themselves at the same time, of, t- of course we take the patient who's not terminal. Who, who we could treat and possibly cure. That's not a question. But he says, let's say the, the, the terminal patient was already got the bed, and now the second patient shows up who's not terminal. Do we kick the first patient, the terminal patient, out of the ICU bed in order to save the second guy's life? That's what he's discussing. So he says, in that case, no. Once the patient's in the bed, so he says a few things. He says one is he already the, the, the hospital has an obligation now to him. They contract with him. They have to do whatever they can to to uh, to help him in his situation, whether it's pain, palliative, whatever, whatever it is, palliative. But he already has that bed. But he says a very important thing. If you look in the second column on the left, I underlined it. Well, I tried to underline it. A little crooked my handshakes. He says um, he says like this. He says, "A ah, well, who?" T-? He says, "Let's say you can move the patient." Um, and uh, whatever the case, he says, you can treat him just as well in a different room out of the ICU because he's anyway terminal, so it's powerful care and you can move him out. He says, so he says then you should do that. Um, he says, listen to these words, unbelievable words from Marshall He says, that the patient who is dangerously ill, terminally ill, shall a few minutes I wrote him that the, they, he won't figure out that according to the doctor's assessment, that it's not possible to, to cure him. Why? Because he says, by moving him to the, out of the ICU to, to palliative care, he says, he's going to realize that you've given up on him and it's not possible to, to heal. We have to be careful that because of this we have to be concerned. You're going to hasten his death. The Yitra of Daita and that's prohibited in all cases so he's saying what's going to happen is if by moving him from the ICU into palliative care he's going to realize that there's no more hope and you've basically given up hope on him he says that you cannot do no matter what okay so which is again we see we're always concerned if the patient's knowledge will cause him to give up hope and even if there is no hope but I'm saying that giving up hope what's called, what he calls yish, which is a concept of you giving up a life that alone can hasten his death. So he says you have to be very careful um, not, to, not to do that. So it just, again we see the bottom line is there are many texts and contemporary texts as we've proved in an old text that you have to be extremely sensitive. We started again starting from the beginning with uh, Yaakov, he uh, told Jacob the News about that Joseph is alive and going all the way through the Talmud Shulchan um, Aruch and contemporary texts, there are many contemporary texts about what can and should be told to the patient and how it should be told in a sensitive way that it won't affect them in certain cases obviously there are certain cases we say they're going to find that anyway or they're going to so then of course you have to vote. Um, that's basically the rule of thumb thank you very much you have been listening to the mp3 project from the jewish ethic institute for a complete selection of our lectures please visit our website
0: at j-ethics.org. Shalom.